Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time. So we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood award history. My name is Corey. And I'm Jeff. How's it going, Jeff? I'm good, man. This is part two of this week's episode. This is our results show. The results show, man. This is where you find out what the metric fucking did. <laughs> it's science shit. Yeah, we're basically going to run uh, the nominees for this week from the 90th Academy Awards. Um, 2018, I guess, is when the, the... The 2018 Academy Awards. We're looking at the Best Picture category. Best Picture. Um, do you, do yeah, remember, man. Do you remember who hosted this this uh, Academy Awards? Mr. Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. This is his uh, back-to-back hosting. Yeah. He's the first... Do you know, he's the first host since Billy Crystal to get a back-to-back hosting gig. I feel like he is the uh, first person since Billy Crystal to do a really great job at hosting. Academy Awards. He also uh, is um, the host of the least watched Academy Awards in uh, in Academy history. Yeah, but uh, that's not that's not. We can't just lay that at his. <laughs> not his fault at all. No. No, we can't lay that solely at the feet of the host. There's other factors involved. I think we're also seeing a bit of um, a political sphere leaking over into the entertainment. I could see that because I know a lot of world. people were like, I just don't want to see a bunch of Hollywood people talking about Trump. Uh, that or they didn't want to give, you know, these leftist Hollywood types the Same time thing. of day. Same thing. They were like... Um, in general, not necessarily that they were going to bash Trump, but that like, ugh, ban Hollywood kind of a um, an attitude that, that sort of surfaced after, you know, a certain president took office. But... <clears throat> Either way, um, it was a, it was a pretty good year for movies. Uh, let's go ahead and recap the nominees uh, for Best Picture in this year, starting with The Shape of Water, which actually wins this award. The Academy Award winner yeah. for Best Picture, which was The Shape of Water. Shape of Water, and then um, we have Get Out, mm-hmm. truly fantastic film. It's really good. Call Me By Your Name, which is a, sort of a sleepy film, but it's really good. It's also something I tell women at night, you know what I'm saying? Call Me Going By, by your, your Name. name. <laughs> yeah. Also, we have Lady Bird. Lady, Lady Bird. Lady Bird. The uh, darkest... Also, di- something I tell ladies to call me <laughs> at night. Uh, darkest Hour. Darkest Hour. And then we have... Then we have Dunkirk. Uh, then Phantom Thread. And then The Post. Mm-hmm. And then we have the post. And then the last one is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri is the one I can never remember. <laughs> uh, all, all really good films. Um, these are real sort of fresh in our minds, I guess, because they only came out a year ago. They only came out a year ago, but I think I feel like if they only came out a year ago, a lot of you out there in episode land podcast land podcast land podcast the, land in the internets in the internets and theater webs mm-hmm. you out there in, in interweb land um will have these fresh in your mind yeah they're they're at least easily accessible almost every single one of them you know they're on streaming services now uh, most of them you know they're on the hbo goes the yeah, Netflix, most of these actually you know. are on hbo go yeah <clears throat> um if you don't have that like we said before jacket from your mother-in-law 
<laughs> yeah, use somebody else's login. I don't think HBO cares if you use the login, but like sure Netflix is real persnickety about it. <laughs> persnickety? They are. I love that word. <laughs> I'm going to use that for everything. Persnickety. Persnickety. Yes, Al, what's up? I don't remember calling you. We don't have time to be arguing. Don't stop it. All right, all right. We'll 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 do it. We'll do it this episode. This is highly unusual, but Al is requesting a new segment that he has put together. So it's time for a segment he's put together called Al's Useless Hollywood Facts. The Shape of Water officially premiered at the 42nd annual Toronto International Film Festival in Toronto, Canada. The venue, which housed the premiere for The Shape of Water, was the Elgin Theatre. This theatre not only is the location of the movie's premiere, but also is used as the location of the main character Eliza's apartment in the movie. Attendees of the premiere were able to watch the movie in the theatre beneath Eliza's actual apartment. In 2018, the movie Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri was nominated for multiple Academy Awards, including Best Picture. This was a powerful film with terrific acting as shown by the Academy Award wins by Frances McDermott for Best Actress and Sam Rockwell for Best Supporting Actor. The movie leaves a lasting impression and begs the question, where exactly is Ebbing, Missouri? Well, apparently, Ebbing, Missouri is located in North Carolina. The setting for the fictional town of Ebbing, Missouri was located in Silva, North Carolina. And that concludes this segment of Al's Useless Hollywood Facts. We're going to run these nominees through our patented five-finger metric system. Jeff, why don't you go ahead and tell the folks at home what our five-finger metric is? Ha. Well. <laughs> yeah, that thing that we use every week. Why don't you tell them what it is? <laughs> well, every week when we are trying to decide whether or not the Academy <laughs> should have chosen a movie and whether it should have been picked for an Academy Award or not, we put the movie through a five-finger rating scale. If a movie is timeless, we give it one finger. If the story is compelling, we give it two fingers. If the movie is well cast, it gets a third finger. If the movie holds up to multiple viewings, it receives the fourth finger. And if we would recommend this movie to another person, it receives five fingers. That is our five-finger rating scale. We have etched it in stone. We have the stone tablets right next to us. Corey is very persnickety on these the exact metric we use to rate these movies. Basically, each of us represents uh, uh, like a half a point for each of these subcategories. And uh, combined, one full point gives one full finger for each of those uh, classifications. And if we disagree at any point along the, ra- the way here, uh, then that gets a half, a half a point or a half a finger, which is a, a fun little graphic that, that is uh, on the movies on our website that shows a severed finger with a bone sticking out of it. I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, go online. You can see our metric there. You can uh, you know, download it, screenshot it, and then practice uh, practice using it with your yeah, friends. Play, play the, home, the home version. The home version. Of Switch rate, the Envelope. Rate movies with your friends. <laughs> using our metric. And using find our out, metric. Find out if you and your group of friends uh, you know, agree on certain shit. And it's a good conversation starter at the very least. Yeah, and find out how many movies you actually will give the finger. Because we've given a lot of movies the finger that we wouldn't even realize would be given the finger. Yeah, there are movies that I thought were good movies that ended up just getting one on the scale uh, that were really quite surprising. Like, really? That movie only got 
Got a finger. All right. That's that's interesting. I feel like it should have gotten a better rating, but it's science. You can't argue with it. All right. Are you ready to, to send us into uh, into into this long, long list through our metric, Jeff? I am. All right. What movie would you like to start with? Let's start with Lady Bird. Uh, Lady Bird. Is it a timeless movie? Um, I No. No? <laughs> I don't think it's timeless, no. I think the the it's themes coming of it, age story. So the coming of age story is yeah, timeless. The themes in it are are timeless. I think the the sort of struggle between a mom and uh, her daughter and like trying to come to terms with you know sort of like your personal identity within that. But she's realm living is, in Sacramento. I mean, that's not timeless. Sacramento <laughs> sucks. <laughs> Except for the people listening to us that are in Sacramento. Yeah, we love you, Sacramento. I'm just kidding. I've, Except I've, for the fictional version of Sacramento, it sucks. Yes, um, the fictional one in this movie <laughs> that was filmed on a soundstage. And I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I would give it timeless. I, I I don't know, like okay, half point. Yeah. Uh, is the story compelling? Um, it is a compelling story. I think it is a it's a good story, a, com- a good coming of age story. Yeah. <laughs> really? Like I wasn't engaged throughout this entire movie. Um, there were parts that were interesting to me. There were parts that felt like, oh, I've seen this rehashed in the tons of different movies. Like, yeah, I'm it's not really, really, it's really I'm not really getting story. anything fresh from from this movie's perspective. It's a really typical story. Um, so I'm inclined to say not as compelling as I had hoped. You know, there was a lot of hype behind this film. Um, there was a lot of push for for this film around awards uh, season, and when I watched it, I was underwhelmed by it as a movie. You know, I was like, oh, okay, that's sort of. That was okay, but I, I I disagree with it being sort of held in the same sort of caliber as some of these other films. It's not in the caliber of Get Out, and it's not in the caliber. Yeah, of even Fish Called Wanda. <laughs> the Fish Called Wanda is that it's, what we're doing? Uh, fish out of water. Um, the Shape of Water. Shape of Water. Gotcha. The Shape of a Fish Called Wanda. Yeah, Shape of a Fish Called Wanda. Got it. Uh, no, yeah, the those movies, ah, like there's just deeper stories there there's more substance to them you know like get out was one of those where like it had just as much hype going into it and after i watched it i was like damn that was a really interesting unique way of doing this kind of a suspense film you know and the 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 sort of the theme of it was was really interesting and and held me the entire time and ladybird got a little sleepy it sort of like i said it rehashed some of you know some story points that i've seen a bunch of times and i didn't really find it like carrying me through the film the way that a lot of these other films did, you know. Uh, so I'm gonna have to say no on compelling. Okay. So a half a point there as well. Okay. Half half. Uh, was the movie well cast? The, the lead Lor- in was very. What? Laurie Metcalf as the mom. No, I was actually thinking. Uh, Ronan. Sir. I don't know how to say her name. Sir. Something Ronan. Um, no, she's fantastic in it. I, I think, yeah, it's cast really well. Um, another actor... I mean, she won Golden Globe for Best She actress, did, she did. So. She's really good in it. There's good acting performances. Laurie Metcalf won the award for this, uh, for Supporting Actress, I believe. Uh, does the movie hold up to multiple viewings? Would you want to see this movie again? Um, I would not care if I saw it again. It was okay. Uh, so, no. No points whatsoever on that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, would you recommend this movie? Is this a movie that somebody has to see? Oh my God, you got to see Lady Bird. No. no, I would. I mean, I wouldn't. Care. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't I care would, if somebody saw it. I wouldn't care if I saw it. 
I would I would agree. This isn't one that is like, oh my god, you got to see this. But um, its total score is a two. So fuck, just two fingers. Yeah, two two fingers for Ladybird. God. All right, what picture are we moving on to next? Uh, let's do the post. The post. The post. Let's hit the post. A Steven Spielberg film starring uh, our American treasure Tom Hanks and our other American treasure Meryl Streep. You know, just right off the bat, I'm going to say this movie is super pretentious. Yeah, a little bit. It's, it's <laughs> seeped in, in in pretension? Pretentiousness. Pretent, pretent, I don't, who cares? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> the post. It's a, you know, it's a newspaper movie. We've... Done this several times. We've talked about I mean, news. There this are is a movie so that many, gets made. Yeah. There are so many of these movies, uh, uh, and this is only doing, the, and this doesn't even go beyond, this doesn't even go above and beyond other paper movies. I agree. I've talked several times about how Network is fantastic. The Paper with Michael Keaton is fantastic. The other paper movie with Michael Keaton and Mark Ruffalo, Spotlight, um, this one is just, I couldn't even... I couldn't even really remember this one because I kept on getting it mixed up with Spotlight. <laughs> About the Catholic Church? About the Catholic Church. Yeah. So let's just do the remote metric, man. All right. Uh, is this movie timeless? I don't really think it is because I feel like it is just going to be washed over by every other paper movie. Yeah. I mean, especially if, like it's for a Spielberg movie, it's kind of forgettable. Yeah. Like, and not to mention that this movie is... It's also not doing anything new. It's doing an era that has been done and mm-hmm. redone and just a thousand times. Yeah, I mean, the, I'm kind of sick of the Vietnam War era. It, it's unfortunate be- because the story itself is interesting. You know, the the sort of story of the post and no, I mean, the, and, the, the, the the movie's good, but but it's it's kind of like the Insider in a way, where it's just like, eh, <laughs> I don't yeah, really. I mean, I'd rather see this as a Netflix like. Miniseries. Yeah, it would make a great series. You know, like it just it, it it fell short a little bit in in like really making something like super like really well crafted. You know, like it's put together well, it's shot well, the acting is fine, but there's just something missing. There's a spark missing in this film that makes it less of an exciting you know sort of story to watch, but. It's not to say that you weren't compelled by what was happening or that the actors weren't doing their job or that it was, you know, less directed than, you know, other films. It's just there's something kind of just vacant in this movie that that doesn't doesn't help its odds here. Um, So not timeless. Also, Tom Hanks wig just kind of weirded (laughs) me out. I was like, it just looked like a real wig. Meryl Streep in a wig. It was weird. I don't know. Mm. Um, it just didn't feel right. I don't know. All right. Well, is is the story compelling? Well, it does have Allison Brie. Yeah, I just like Allison. Brie I do lot. too. Um, is, but is is the story compelling? Well, it's a compelling story, but it's just a, it's a compelling story that everybody knows is a compelling story, so they've done it a thousand freaking times. Yeah, I I feel I, like shit has happened after 1975. <laughs> they can do some shit <laughs> because all the directors. And all the baby boomers only want to focus on when they were in college. Every movie about like a compelling time in history always happens from when the directors and the actors were in college, which is right. 
1975. Dude, shit has happened other than that. <laughs> there is more crap that's happened other than fucking Woodstock you're gonna, and Vietnam. And it's like, come on, guys. You're going to see that shifting. I mean, you we're already starting to see that that kind of shifting. I mean, Argo is, you know, into the, the sort of 80s, the, the you know, that, that uh, Carter administration time. I mean, it's still late seventies. Oh, okay. It's not. That's, it's still that's late seventies. But 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 we're at the end of that decade, at least. You know, we're pushing past seventy five. <laughs> you know, we're starting to see a little more of that move forward. And then you know, like um, Adam McKay, his next movie is uh, uh, with Christian Bale and um, Sam Rockwell and stuff. And that's uh, uh, about Dick Cheney. It's the the movie Vice that's a, that's going to come out later this year. So we we are moving past. You know, a, a little bit, but yeah, the the big big heavy hitters are when they do a historical piece, they're going to go to sort of like those formidable, well, you, you know, things from their life. And unfortunately, right now, a lot of those older uh, generation directors that are big directors uh, are the seventies was their thing. Yeah, know? because you have the guys that came out all at the same time. You have uh, Spielberg, De Palma, yeah. George Lucas. The Oliver Stones. Oliver the, Stone, yeah. all those guys, they all came out of the same era. They all either served in Vietnam or they were around at that time mm-hmm. and stuff. So now, now that they have the voice and they are the ones leading the charge, that's all they want to... Those are the stories they want to tell. <sighs> um, so we, we get a point for compelling. Um, was the movie well cast? Well, yeah. How can you go wrong with that cast? Yeah, but it's, it, it's weird that it's so vanilla D- and you have that cast. But it's it's weird. Yeah. Well, what's weird about it is like it's not vanilla because like the story isn't interesting and because the cast isn't good. It's just there's something. I think it's because we're fatigued by these sort of movies that Friggin it was just like ah another movies another one of these where they you have know? the same the cast where everyone's good but they're all they're all have the meeting room scene mm-hmm. and then they have the guy on the street trying to hunt down the story scene and they all have the same characters too they have the one the crazy reporter guy who's stopping nothing to get the scene then the guy who's like the 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 asshole editor and the guy just under him who's gonna who's gonna get who's almost about to get fired every single movie has that every single one of them yeah comes a cliche (laughs) of the genre and i think that's where it feels milk toast you know yep uh does it hold up to multiple viewings i think it's very clear. I, I don't think so. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't hold up to multiple viewings. And would you recommend this movie? Is this a movie somebody has to see? No. 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 I, th- I think you can see any of these movies and kind of get the same vibe from all of them. Yeah. They go- just have the same movie and they change the topic. On- honestly, hashtag keep network alive. Go see that movie again. <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> keep network alive. Uh, other than the post to go see Network Alive or go or keep, keep better movie like I'm gonna keep saying is the paper Michael Keaton sure that's actually still topical because it deals with race sure yeah uh, all right so that is two fingers for the post oh we're we're harsh this year <laughs> well there's ten nominees there's ten right? nominees there's ten ten nominees um, okay next movie let's go with uh, Call Me by Your Name. Okay, call me by your name. So this is uh, Army Hammer and uh, Timothy Chalamet, uh, and he is shirtless. Dude, he is he is uh, the Lone Ranger. He is the Lone Ranger. I actually loved I loved that movie, the Lone, Lone Ranger, Ranger. I loved mm. it because I, I love westerns, and that was actually a pretty good western. It if I don't think about the movie a bunch while I'm watching it, like if I can t- if I turn off my brain, like ah, we're just gonna watch the this movie, and I'm not gonna 
try to figure it out or, or anything. I can enjoy yeah, the Lone Ranger. There's a difference between a movie that's like it's def- fun. Yeah, it's definitely shut. And your, a western, you don't shut your brain off. <laughs> you shut your brain off for a western. But not, I mean, like uh, the Magnificent Seven, the remake that they that they just did. That was a terrible movie. Oh, what are you talking about? That's that was a, terrible. It was great. Denzel Washington is fantastic in that, it. That has no plot. What are you talking about? Within like 20 minutes, he's like, I'm going to go get the Magnific- Magnificent Seven. And he rides off. He's like, wait, hey, you, I met you once. You want to come ride off with me and like kill some people? And he's like, yeah, sure. You are over- I'm going to go there. Oversimplifying. And then they, they ride plot. off for five minutes. They find another guy. Hey, you. I've seen you in a bar fight. Let's go kill some fuckers. Yeah, it's it's Ocean's like, Eleven, the, uh, the fucking Western. Six. We've got six. We need one more. <laughs> we need one more. Let's go over and find one. Hey, there's a guy. Hey, buddy. Let's go shoot some people. And then all of a sudden, within 20 minutes, they have seven guys. It made no sense. And then in the end, he's like riding off. Ah, now we've done our deed. I was like, this is the stupidest fucking movie ever. You, you are completely dismissing the story, the stakes, why they're doing it. There was it, no why... real story. Yes, there it was. was. so go, dumb. Go rewatch The Magnificent Seven. I've seen Seven. that movie. So, uh, that's stupid. You're wrong. I am not wrong. Call Me By Your Name is uh, it's a, a beautiful little love story about statutory rape. In the summer of 1983, mm-hmm. a precocious 17-year-old, Elio Perlman? Elio, yeah. Falls in love with Oliver, and Oliver is a grad student who's well in his 20s, and uh, they have this sort of clandestine little love affair in Italy, and um, it, it's, it's, it's weird because it depicts a crime of a grown-ass man sleeping with a minor, so there's a bit of this movie that's like... Ugh, I don't know now, this is... how I should feel about how, like, their love story, you know. Um, but aside from the statutory rape, uh, really kind of a beautiful movie once it gets going. It takes a little while for its wheels to turn. Uh, let's let's run it through the metric. Is the movie timeless? Um, it's a period piece. Uh, I, think I don't they, think it's timeless because I think the well, first of all, I think that the idea of some of an older man sleeping with a minor, I think, is difficult. It's it's yeah, like I said, I I had a hard time grappling with with that detail of it. But it's fine. But it's mostly um, lips, right? I'd, I'd give it timeless. Half half a point. Half point. Is the story compelling? No. <laughs> <laughs> I found it incredibly compelling. It just took a while to get to the point I where I cared it, about it. I guess because uh, I don't really think of uh, being gay as being a taboo. So a movie about that, it doesn't seem like it's uh, compelling or breaking any new ground. I, I One, I agree. But two, this, this movie, because it's set in another time when it wasn't as socially acceptable... Um, plays in plays into that just the way that Brokeback plays into it, or you know, uh, Capote played yeah, into it a little bit, and 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 whatnot. The place where they've the 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 fact that they've kind of over sexualized it a little bit mm. makes me think it's not. I don't know. the The story itself, the the love story itself between between those two, them sort of discovering that, like, well, because it's a guessing game, right? Like, oh my God, he's really attractive, but like, does he? Does he swing that way? Oh, he's hanging out with this girl. He's making out with this girl. Like, I don't know, but I'm getting a vibe. 
you know, and then like sort of kind of cryptically trying to suss out whether or not they would be into you and then realizing that they're into like that whole discovery of love is that's, is that's a, a universal thing. no is a universal sort of um theme and done through a coming of age story that is is really well put together really really, really well yeah, done. Yeah, I wouldn't put that as a compelling story. It's like but you okay, that's that's right. happened on, you know, TV shows now. That's not even I want if the if the story itself is just a love story. Yeah. I don't think a love story is compelling. It's All right. I I disagree. Half a point. Okay. Uh we have two two half points at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, was the movie well cast? Nah. Really? No. No. Army Hammer is not the best actor. I, I believed think. Army Army Hammer is great in this film. I believed every minute of every. Well, I mean, yeah, of okay. every character okay, in this I film believe, and I believe their motivations that they themselves are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I believe them. Yeah, it was well acted. Okay, uh, I would yes. say we'll, we'll cast. There's, yes. there's a beautiful moment with. I'll give him a finger for this. There's a beautiful moment with uh, the dad at the end of this movie where he's just like, "Man, be you. It's totally cool. Like, who am I to judge how you want to live your life?" But, but it's a, uh, it's this one wonderful little moment, and you know, I, I think uh, people can can gain a lot of sort of perspective from a movie like this about like what it was like. When, but you know, before we were more sort of socially open to different lifestyles, but you know, um, it's well cast. <laughs> Does the movie hold up to multiple viewings? Um, not for me. For me, it's not my cup of tea. This is not the kind of movie I would sit down and watch multiple times. I didn't even like watching it the first time. Uh, it's definitely one that if if I saw it on a channel or something. But remember, like, I, I I just get uncomfortable watching love movies or love stories. Yeah, you're romance. You're, you're not a you're not a big romance movie fan. Yeah, it's not it's not my thing. I, not if it's gay or straight, it's not movies I like to watch. Right. Yeah, it's the same from this movie to the Notebook. You're just like ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I still have never seen the Notebook. Uh, the Notebook is is fine. You don't need to see it. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Uh, I watched this movie in preparation for this. So, I mean, if I hadn't, I would not have watched this movie. Um, I, I if it came on, I would I would definitely sort of watch it to the end. Uh, would you recommend this movie? Is this a movie somebody has to see? <clears throat> I mean, I think that uh, depends on what type of movies you like to watch. Um, I'm not into these type of movies, but if I was, it's a good movie. Um, but I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, movies like this, there are probably other movies in in front of it that I would recommend before I got to this one. Um, I mean, it's a good movie, but um, probably not recommend. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody hadn't seen this movie. I'd be like, oh yeah, nobody saw that movie. <laughs> uh, so no half, 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 one and a half, two and a half. Is that right? Half, yeah, it half, doesn't matter. Going. Half, half, one. Yeah, two and a half. All right. Next on our Academy Awards for 2017. Sizzle Beach, USA. No. <laughs> Zero. Okay, let's do a good one. Um, get out. Get out. Get out. This is the uh, directorial debut of Jordan Peele. Fucking awesome directorial debut, man. He really knocked it out the park with this one. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, I think he wrote and directed this one. He did. Um, it's a suspense thriller. Some might call it a horror film. Um, I would not. That deals with race and uh, 
Yes, I uh, I agree. There's a lot of racial um, overtones. I think you have to really get dig deep into this movie to really. I think the whole idea of these old white people using the bodies of black men, it plays into what's been going on with the Colin Kaepernick. It plays into what's been going on mm. with the NFL very deeply. I don't know if that was the intended purpose, but you can see that in this movie. Oh, really? Are we telling endings in this? <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler Okay, if alert. you have not seen Get Out, we're going to tell the ending right now. If you don't want to hear the ending, skip forward. Skip forward. Okay, so in the ending, in the original ending, or you, so in the ending, in the ending right now, his friend gets out of the car, says airport, mm-hmm. gets out, TSA friend comes yeah. out, helps him. In the original ending, the cop, the original cop that stopped him, got out, oh. shot him. Oh shit! Because he was standing over his girlfriend. Shit! That was the original ending. Okay. They filmed it both ways. Huh. And, and his way that he wanted to do it was that <clears throat> he got shot at the end. By the cop that stopped him in the beginning. Yeah, that's a little bit more on the nose with the sort of social. Yeah, commentary. and so that's the re- that's the original way that the ma- that the movie was filmed. Do you know why they didn't go that? I direction? can't remember. Hmm. We... No, it's it's fine. Yeah, I can't I can't remember the original. I can't remember why. I don't know if it was he just chose the last minute, but I know they they filmed it, but he didn't. But they didn't film the. They didn't. That would have yeah. That would have changed the the sort of. Uh... The spin on, on that movie uh, a little more, um, but with that movie, I mean, people are inhabiting bodies. It's a that's the horror thing. It's a it's a little body snatcher, yeah. So what I never understood about Jordan Peele's vision is if they are these old racist white people, why are they choosing to live the rest of their lives as young black men? I never got that. Well, part. okay, so no, it isn't that they don't like black people. It's it's almost the the sort of um, the other end of that that spectrum right where like they um see like they they see black people as this like better version of what they can move into to extend their life but that well that, yeah that's that, where i see that the they, nfl well, yeah, when, when there's a bit of control so there's a bit of that like slavery undertone but one like the vibe i got off of it was that like um this group of people think that black people that the the black people that they inhabit are better for having the white person's mind in them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I just need to see it again. Um, is the movie timeless? I think this movie. I don't know if this movie's timeless. I mean, it was definitely fresh feeling in 2017. I I hope that carries through. I'm gonna go ahead and predict. Yes, it will remain timeless. Um, because it's I feel like such it's gonna be dated in, after a such little while. An interesting. Right now, it's, okay. I think it's difficult for us to say something's timeless when it's only been a year. I agree. I think um, I'm gonna say, "Fuck it, it's timeless." All right, point for timeless. Uh, is the story compelling? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a unique. It's it, so good. It's a unique story. It's told really well. the um, The characters are good. Their motivations are good. the uh, The suspense of it is really really draws you in. Uh, absolutely compelling. Uh, was the movie well cast? Uh, yeah, except for the original role of Chris was supposed to be played by Eddie Murphy, and really? I kind of think that should have been fucking played by Eddie Murphy. That would have been hilarious. Hmm. But he said he thought it was too, he was too old for the part. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a very different kind of a, a kind but of. But not movie. really. I mean, how would that have affected it? 
with Eddie Murphy. Yeah. He's he's such a big okay, so like the way those two actors are different. Eddie Murphy is such a, like Eddie Murphy would have to tone down so much of Eddie Murphy. You know, even no, if, even in his movies where even he, his more serious like dr- dramatic ish stuff, like he's still in Dreamgirls. He was not. Eddie he's Murphy. a he's a big personality. No, no, not even if he's like being sort of like not he, not being Eddie Murphy. I'm just saying like his presence on screen is such a big presence. You know, even in Dreamgirls, you know, when he gets on screen, you're like, oh damn, like I need to pay attention to him. Whereas. Um, oh, what's what's the guy's name that was that was actually in what's his name? The guy that the guy that's in Get Out. What's his name? Oh, you mean um the guy that plays Chris? Yeah. Al Daniel Kalua. Daniel <laughs> who played Chris. Uh plays such uh, like uh I, I don't know there's there's a there's a, a quiet fierceness to him through this whole thing. He's real tentative. He's real reserved, you know. And I think putting Eddie Murphy in that role would have would have been a very different tone uh, for the movie. Not not necessarily bad or you know better or worse necessarily, but like it would have been a very different character and tone of that movie for sure. Absolutely. Um, and I like the way that it ended up, to, uh, you know, tonally with with uh, the people that were that were chosen. Uh, does the movie hold up to multiple viewings? Um. I guess, yeah. You guess? <laughs> well, no. It's such a it's a it's such a hard film to watch. I think it would get easier, like any horror or suspense mm. film. It gets easier as you watch every time because you know what's coming up. But I don't know if the effect is there anymore. Uh, I don't know. I think there's there's definitely moments on a second watch where when like you know what's about to happen, but then when you go back and start looking at those clues that are dropped all along the way, um, that that help sort of define what's about to happen, you start receiving more and more of that information because you're aware of where this is going. I think this is one of those films that benefits from multiple viewings. Definitely. I can see that. Uh, so a point from you or? Yes. Okay. Uh, and would you recommend this film? Fuck yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a fucked up film. I would definitely be like, fucked up in a good way. Um, you know, like, yeah, somebody should definitely go see Get Out. I would recommend the shit out of this film. I'm recommending that now to everybody. <laughs> everybody listening, if you have not seen Get Out, why have you not seen Get Out yet? Go see Get Out. And if you just heard the ending right now, man, that sucks for you. I'm sorry. Really sorry. But you should go see it anyway. Uh, so it was timeless, compelling, well cast, holds up multiple viewings. We just got our first perfect score of the uh, of the episode. Yeah. And by the way, if you uh, have not seen this, you should have watched it. We gave you three days. We, yeah, we gave you three days. Come on, We people. gave you a whole work week. <laughs> Most of a work week. <laughs> Full work week. Three days. <laughs> My work week, anyway. Uh, sit around drinking cherry Coke and vodka all day. All right. Moving on to, let's say, let's go Darkest Hour. Let, let's hit the... let's hit the Darkest Hour. Let's hit the, the war movies. Okay, look. Winston fucking Churchill. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman is a tour de force. Gary Oldman won best... He, actor for this part he did deservedly so so let's just go right in the metric here we go is it timeless is it timeless fuck yeah this is a timeless classic this is a classic this is an instant classic really yeah hmm um instant classic uh i think the movie gets a little boring okay but half point but 
that that speaks more to the next thing. Timeless. It's a period piece. Gary Oldman looks like Winston Churchill. I think it's fine to say that it's timeless, but yeah, moving on. Uh, is it a compelling story? I think it's a compelling story. Um, I think it's have a. I think it it goes. It complements Dunkirk. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's you can, I it's get almost like two, yeah. it's almost like eating a you know a hamburger and fries. You know, this would be the the hamburgers. Dunkirk would be the fries. No, this no. Would be, this would be the fries. Ha- Dunkirk would be the hamburger. No, I don't know. That. Darkest hours is I think the side together, salad. I think these would be together. They would be go good as a as a combo meal. Yeah, I mean, separate. They they have so, some holes. Dunkirk is the steak. Darkest hours is like potatoes. Yeah, it's potatoes. It's potatoes. I like that. It, but potatoes. It, the You're saying Mrs. that because you got chubby. You got chubby Gary Oldman. Yeah, <laughs> Gary Oldman in a fat suit. He's great in it. Um, the movie is a lot of time spent underground in bunkers talking about stuff that's happening elsewhere. Yes, uh, it's very much about the bureaucracy. It's about the darkest of it. hours of the day, man. I would say that the history is compelling, but the movie itself lacks a little bit of that. So, so you're saying it's not a compelling story. I would say a half a point is probably fair. So we've got a half point. We've got a half point. We got a half point. Uh, we got a full point and a half point. Okay. So a full, a full point for timeless, a half point for compelling. Was the movie well cast? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, obviously. So we got one. Absolutely. We got two and a half. What we got? Right, what else? Uh, does it hold up to multiple viewings? Uh, yeah, I think it's a. I think any war movie can hold up to multiple viewings. Yes. Do I need to see it again? No. Okay, half point. Half a point. So three. Uh, would you recommend this film? Yeah, I'd recommend this film. Okay. Um, no, I would say if you're going to watch a movie about the story of Dunkirk, watch Dunkirk. <laughs> okay, three and a half. Is that is that its final score? Three and a half? I don't know. Doesn't matter. It's not going to win. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dunkirk. Let's move on to Dunkirk, which is the exact same timeline, exact same story. Uh, pretty good film. Well, it's not the same timeline because the moron that made it, yes, I'm talking oh, to you, Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan, you jackass. He put it into a he put it into a screwed up fucking timeline that confuses the shit out of me when I watched it. The first twenty to forty minutes of this film are hard to follow for no payoff. Yeah, and Harry Styles. I don't know. I don't know. I thought Harry Styles was fine. He was I don't good. Know. No. He was really good. I, I, okay. I didn't mind Harry Styles. He's okay. Um, that One Direction kid was all a-okay for me. Um, yeah, Christopher Nolan kind of Christopher Nolan's this movie a little bit. Like he tries to put a little too much into like trying to tweak the storytelling a little bit. It didn't really need it um, because the story stands up on its own, and we don't really have something in our metric that that will take points away for that. But I think it's significant to say like you didn't, it didn't need, Ooh, we should take points away for stuff. That would be awesome. <laughs> Just, um, but once, once you get past that, then it becomes a better film, you, you know, like, but it takes up until you see, you know, one particular character and definitively in two different parts of this timeline that you're like, Oh, okay. This is what's going on. I mean, okay. Tom Hardy does a very good job. Tom Hardy is really good in this movie. I love him in this. When I'm thinking, oh wait, spoiler alert! If you haven't seen Dunkirk, we're gonna ruin it for you. When Tom Hardy's plane is going down, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh fuck! They're gonna kill off Tom Hardy. They're gonna kill him off. They're gonna kill him off. We don't know. Yes, you do. Did, was there a gunshot? He just gets captured. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He doesn't get killed off in the movie. 
He lands his plane successfully. It's like, oh, no, yeah, and then he gets captured. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You think he's going to crash. Yeah. He flies. First of all, that's the one thing about the movie that's kind of stupid. He flies with no engine and no fuel for like 30 minutes of the movie. <laughs> there was a bit of magic, but that's I imagine that's part of a real story. The, I don't know, man. Everything's he, based on, he flies, on like true events. I'm, he flies over the line. Goes at the Germans. Turns around, shoots turns a dude down. Around, down turns, turns around, shoots somebody down, which is almost impossible in, a, in, a, in that kind of a plane with and then, no fuel. And then glides back the other way. And then he the glides way. all the way across the beach for like a half an hour and then safely lands. Yes, Come on. but it's a really magical moment in the movie where like all these guys on the beach kind of see their like guardian angel in the sky. Yeah. And gives them hope, you know? Um, Although Cinematically, it's really great. Feasibly, it's a little weak, but you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe we should do a six finger metric where we talk about like, was it well written? <laughs> Is this believable? Um, was the movie timeless? It's a period piece. I think it could be timeless. I think the war movies in general, yeah, are timeless. Um, I think this one is. I don't think anybody knows the if you, I don't think any American knows the story of Dunkirk. We weren't in the war at that point. Right. I think this is a very important story for uh, British history. I think Americans don't have any clue. No. We're getting, we, we got exposed to it. I had no clue. I had no clue and I'm, a, I'm into history. Yeah. We, we got I exposed. Graduate, I have a bachelor's in history. I had no idea. Yeah. Th- this became very significant because they made two movies about it in <laughs> the same year. Like, Americans got a whole fistful of what Dunkirk was to um, British forces in World War II, for sure. Yeah. Um, I would say timeless, yes. Uh, is the story compelling? Yes. It's compelling. Come on. Absolutely compelling. Yeah. Um, this more so than The Darkest Hours, for sure. Uh, or The Darkest Hour, not The Darkest Hours. Was the movie well cast? Yep, it is. Uh, does the movie hold up to multiple viewings? Yeah, I'd watch it again. I would definitely watch now it again. Now that I know, now that because everything was kind of out of order and the whole thing about the mole that for a was, piece like for the beginning it was out of order and then it it isn't out of order again yeah it's, it, no it's out of order in the be- in the end because you see like four different angles of tom hardy's plane fighting the bigger jet the bigger bomber um in the end and you also see his co-pilot uh drop its plane in the ocean like uh, a couple different times out of order then in the end so it actually is out of order in the end too the end kind of overlaps the same no, it's time. actually it's out of order because you see all these different events in different sequential order, mm-hmm. but they're out of order. I mean, now that I'm not so jarred by that, I would totally watch it again. Um, I would I would watch it again because I, I like war movies in general, but you know, um, and I like Christopher Nolan movies, so I'll watch it again. Though I do feel like it's one of the weakest Christopher Nolan movies. Um, though it is still a really good movie. <laughs> Uh, would you recommend this movie? Like, if somebody hadn't seen Dunkirk, would be like, "Oh my god, you got to see Dunkirk." I'd, I'd recommend it. Yeah, I would say see any of the other Christopher Nolan movies before you see Dunkirk, like Batman. Uh, Batman uh, Begins, uh, Inception. Fucking you know, I, yeah. Okay, we can go down the whole path. You, you of know, this, but like Inception. I, I was like, eh, it's okay. Inception. Yeah. The, or are you thinking of Interstellar? Why would I be thinking of Interstellar instead of Inception? Oh, because you, you've mentioned before that that inter- we haven't talked on the show about Inception. We've talked about Interstellar. No, I didn't like Inception. It was it was okay. All right, well, but not- at the end of it, it was like, how many levels did he go down? And I don't know. It just at one point it got kind of like 
too much. Got a lot. It was so mind bending. My mind was bent when I left it. You know what I mean? Then they did his job. But there, yeah, there's other Christopher Nolan movies. Like, no, not necessarily. The Dark I... Knight I would recommend before I recommended yeah. Dunkirk, for sure. You know, like, it's, it's not necessarily on the, like, oh, you got to see this movie. You know? Plus, there are plenty other war movies that I would recommend before Dunkirk. You don't want to recommend it at all? I would say no, I don't. If you hadn't seen this movie, I'd be like, oh, well, if you get around to it. I would totally recommend it. So four and a half for Dunkirk. Um, Phantom Thread. Let's do that one. Let's run it through the metric. Oof. This was this was a rough, rough movie for me. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie with Daniel Day-Lewis. This is the second Daniel Day-Lewis mo- movie that Paul Thomas Anderson has done because he did um, there, will be bl- there Will Be Blood, right? Is this movie timeless? No. I, I feel like this is going to be... I don't think this one should even been nominated. I don't... Either I didn't enjoy this film hardly at all. Um, I feel like this is going to be a movie that's just washed into sort of movie obscurity. I, I don't see people holding this up as as a classic, especially when you know there's other movies from both Daniel Day Lewis and Paul Thomas Anderson that are so great. You know, I don't know. Uh, no, not not timeless. Uh, was the story compelling? No, I don't even think it was compelling. No, I didn't care at all about why any of these characters were doing any of the things that they were doing. Uh, was the movie well cast? Well, it was well cast. I'll give it that. Uh, does the movie hold up to multiple viewings? Uh, no, I don't think it no. holds up to multiple viewings at all. No, I don't ever need to see this movie again. Uh, would you recommend this movie? Nope. Nope. Uh, one. It got it got one whole got thing. Got finger. <laughs> I love giving him the finger. Phantom Thread gets the finger. Well, I love giving certain films the finger. Should we, should we add like a boing? <laughs> yeah, I think we should. <laughs> so official, let's do it. We're going to give it the finger. All right, next movie. Let's move on to Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. A movie that won Frances McDormand the Best Actress Award. And Sam Rockwell, I think, got supporting actor for this as well. What Do you feel like this movie is timeless? I think the story is very timeless. Uh, yeah, the this movie. I, I think you can see this at any at any time of any time, any decade, and it still makes sense. It's still, people can still feel the tension and the anger that the mom has for losing her child, and for the and cops not, for the doing, cops anything. not doing anything. Yeah, for it. absolutely. I, I don't think that changes. You're always going to have parents who have anger towards this situation the mom was put in. Sure, I I would agree with you. Yes, timeless. Uh, is the story compelling? This has got a really compelling story. Yeah. Um, that's tied very closely to the performances that that are happening. But um, yeah, I was I was with this movie from start to finish for sure. Yeah, it's a very compelling story. Uh, was the movie well cast? I mean, they all won awards, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, see see this movie for Sam Rockwell and Francis McDermott alone, um, let alone. The rest of everybody that's that's doing fantastic things in this movie. Uh, does the movie hold up to multiple viewings? Uh, it's a it's a tough movie to watch, but I think that it would. Um, I think it'd be good to watch multiple times. So yes, I I, I agree. This this movie is uh, well worth watching um, when you when you can see it see it. You know it it's uh, it it feels like 
like you're watching a good movie when 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 you watch it. Like I mean, it, it is, angers it is you, one of those. But it is a bit ang- angry, but like there's you know you're gonna feel emotions. You know you're gonna get you know behind the characters. You know you're gonna be with it. I I think um, yeah definitely holds up to multiple viewings. Um, uh, would you recommend this movie? Yes. You would recommend this movie. I okay. would. I think I would also recommend this movie because it's just so well rounded as a good movie. You know. Um, all right, so that gives it five on our scale. Good job, three billboards. And then our final movie is The Shape of Water. This is the most controversial one. This is the reason we're doing this, because we had a review come back and tell us how dumb this movie was for winning an Academy Award for Best Picture. So let's go run it through the metric, and we'll talk about why we think it is either dumb or a fantastic film. Is it timeless? This is a period piece, and it's a well-shot film. I don't see anything in this film that doesn't make it a timeless classic film. <laughs> it's beautifully shot. It's uh, it's kind of got like an. Um, it's also got that's a, a little macabre and a little light at the same time. You know, like um, I would agree, it's timeless. It's a it's a period piece. Um, you know, it 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 is very stylized, so it doesn't feel very like dated. I guess you know, like there's nothing that's well, no, it's not going it to, to either to because it is well shot and it's got um you may it makes you feel like you're in the 1950s or 1960s 60s i think and yeah. um but it doesn't give you the specific dates or anything so you're not you're not like trapped into an era yeah uh is the story compelling i don't know if it's compelling no no lady falls in love with a fish man lady falls in love with a mermaid i don't know if it's a compelling story I think they do a really good job of making it look like it's compelling. But at the end of the day, it's a woman who falls in love with a fish. Yeah, I mean, I, I would lean towards it. It suffers from parts that That's, that are not as... That, that hurt the story, you know? And I, day, I guess that a, would be... And the the guy who's the head of the the science lab, first of all, great actor, but his part is a little weird. He's, he's a like, weird dude. Why he's a little, is he he's a little, so angry all the time he's a little bit of a cartoon character yeah why is he angry all the fucking time uh, well he doesn't have fingers <laughs> he pulled him off oh again. that was so gross but why is he so angry and has to kill this fish man um you know and it, first of all why did she fall in love with the fish man in the first place that was never explained you're she right walks up opens up record player starts putting up eggs <laughs> everything sort of fit this sort of wild magical tone of it too like everybody was a little although i think i think uh in just the right way although i didn't like how the girl that gives the shit pie (laughs) shit pie (laughs) octavia spencer (laughs) i didn't like how she was in there and they actually referred to her as the help i thought that was fucked up oh well i mean yeah what the fuck like there's a scene where he says i must be i don't remember what he says but something he's like i'm sitting here asking the fucking help Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, she's dressed like the other movie, and they're actually calling her the help. Yeah, but I mean, that was the that was the time. That was the way people acted. But she's That's been not... typecast as the help. <laughs> she's been typecast as the help. These are two of her biggest movies. Look, she's in plenty of other movies where she's magnificent, and she's not the help. Her two biggest movies are, the, are where she's the help. I mean, the two movies where she's nominated, I guess, yeah, she is sort of the help that's not really a good look for uh for sort of people of color in cinema and them getting typecast as like you know 
janitors and you know what you know whatever other sort of stereotype that minorities get cast in but no i mean she's great <laughs> she is great um shout out casting wise uh to to doug jones who is a guy that you've seen in a bunch of movies as different monsters and different tv shows he's always in full like face makeup um he's he's really really good as this mermaid guy um but he's he's a fit he uh he's somebody that no one would ever like recognize on the street because he's always in full face prosthetics like almost every role he's in he's in like full face prosthetics he plays aliens and fish dudes and a whole bunch of shit um that must be miserable as as an actor to have to like be the like four hours before the rest of the cast gets there and like two hours afterwards to take it all off and then you're just in this thing where you can't pee you can't drink anything <laughs> like it's got to be terrible for him but uh shout out to his uh his good job being able to emote through all of that crazy awesome. crazy makeup shout out uh does the movie hold up to multiple viewings yes i think you can watch this movie multiple times and it's still fun it's a fun movie i think yeah, I think it's, it's... It's weird and fucking... It's just a strange fucking fish fucking movie, but you know what? I think it's... I think you can watch it and enjoy it if you like it. I think a lot of people hate this movie. Including our reviewer that <laughs> yeah. wanted us to, to do this this year. Uh, I agree. It's delightfully odd. Yeah. You know, and, and would definitely... There are definitely some parts that are strange with it, so I don't know, but I think you can watch it and still have fun watching it. I, w- I would totally watch this uh, multiple times. Would you recommend this movie? Uh, today, I actually recommended that somebody watch it because um, it's so talked about mm-hmm. and it's got so much hype mm-hmm. that I did recommend it, so I would say yes, I would recommend it because I did, I, I did today. I would recommend it in the same way that I would recommend like an Edward Scissorhands, like I said, you know, like this is if you're into sort of some like whimsical, you know, kind of like serious, dark fairy tale story, um, I would totally recommend this movie to, to somebody who would be into something like that. Like it would be of that caliber of movie. Yeah. You know, that would be on, on a short list of those sort of like, you know, fun little macabre fairy tales so what do we give it all right so it uh it is timeless uh the story is half compelling it's well cast uh does the movie hold up to multiple viewings yes and we would recommend this film so it got four and a half four and a half same as the movie not get out well same as the movie um dunkirk dunkirk well let's go through through our uh our scores here Uh, in last place, Phantom Thread with one point. Fucking terrible movie. Uh, two movies with two points each, The Post and Lady Bird. I mean, they differ more than two points, but you know, whatever. It's science. Yeah, according to our metric, they only got two points. So Driving Miss Daisy, we're saying, is better than those both those movies. I guess. Uh, you know what? The, the problem is that the whole timeless thing, I think, is, is really weighting this category. Because it's 2018. You've you got really... to adjust for time, yeah. you know? Um uh, yeah, it, th- these movies are a little too fresh to be able to sort of accurately depict classic or not classic because we don't know how people are going to receive them in ten years. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so that weights this this uh, a little bit, but um, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, so they each receive two points. Uh, next, uh, with two and a half points, is "Call Me by Your Name," uh, which is another one of those where like it's probably better than two and a half, but you know, whatever. Um, then we move to the darkest hour, not the darkest. I was just darkest hour, three and a half points. 
Okay. Uh, then we have a tie for second place with Dunkirk and The Shape of Water with four and a half points each. And then there's actually a tie for first place with Get Out and three billboards over Ebbing, Missouri. What do we do? What do we do? Well, we know we're going to switch the envelope. If it were me, between those two movies, I would give it to Get Out. I'm inclined to give it to three billboards. There's there's more depth to story in three billboards. I feel like you could read the novel of three billboards and be sucked because in. Because Get Out Get was... Out is a pulp comic. No, Get like, Out was is something that is very unique. It it's is. not something you get all the time, and it's one of the first times a horror film was ever nominated, um, or even something very close to a horror film yeah. was nominated. I think it breaks a lot of boundaries, and it's something that you won't see very often being nominated. And Three Billboards is something you can see nominated all the time. I don't see it's something, it's, you know, eh. And there's other movies like it in different fashion. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, okay, I see where I see so where you're going Get with that. Get Out, I think, is a movie that, for the Academy, is very rare to be nominated, and that's why I think the Get Out should be switched. I think we should switch the envelope to the to uh, Get Out. That's just my thought. I think you've convinced me. the The unique quality of its storytelling, the um, the sort of themes that that exist in it. Uh, the perspective is is ref- is really fresh. I think I, I agree. Three Billboards is a typical Academy movie um, that will be made multiple times. Movies like that, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go. Let's move it. Let's give it. To awesome. Get out. Let's give it to get out. We're gonna switch the envelope to get out. Yay! All right, Academy. I know you're listening. Go take that award away from The Shape of Water. Do I get to go change the Wikipedia page again? Yes, you do. Go right. go pry that Oscar from that cold fish hand and go give it <laughs> to, go give it to uh, Jordan Peele and get out. Okay, so our reviewer, Johnny Longdong, he will get his 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 reward and we'll be able to change and switch the envelope to get, get out. out and no Though, longer. You were, he was really harsh on The Shape of Water. Shape of Water is, is a pretty magical film. I, I don't know if it's a magical film. I, I, there's was, some parts. It was very he enjoyable. described it as a dumb film. Yeah, there's parts where they're kind of dumb. It's not really dumb. It's It suffers eh, from some plot parts holes. parts where they're kind of dumb. Yeah. Um, we, look, we already, de- we already uh, decided. It's fine. Okay, fine. Get Out Let's is go. getting the Oscar. Uh, we've switched the envelope. Successful once again. And there's only one thing left to do before we go. There is only one thing left to do, and that's dedicate our podcast. Tonight, we are going to dedicate our podcast to the actor who played Lee Hayden in the movie The Hero in 2017. We're going to dedicate this podcast to our one and only favorite actor of all time, Sam Elliott. Lee Hayden, that's the character's name? Lee Hayden. (laughs) Rick and Lee. Rick Lee Hayden. He has uh, he has some real real winners for character names. Fucking he? a man, Sam Elliott is the man. What was his what was his mustache character's name? <laughs> what? Lee Hayden.
following has been a Riff Laugh production.